from CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado. You're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there entangled in the interwebs? We're back. CSG Podcast, Ross Hipster's Glasses Martin, making his way back from Sacramento where he saw the Nuggets. He's yes. a heartbreaker. Yes. Yes, he is. But making his way all the way down here from Thornton, we got the king himself, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? Um, and we are actually one of the few times we're actually up high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado again. We are. And, Jeff, I'll let you tell, tell why. Well, today we have a special guest, a man who uh, I have known for a very long time. And I believe I'm really honored tonight, tonight, today, to have him on our podcast, Mr. Josh Cronkey. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Nate. I appreciate it, guys. We are we are definitely high over the streets of Denver, yes, staring out into some beautiful mountains right now. We are currently on at Clip crystal level. clear, blue Colorado sky day. <laughs> we know you did. Uh, you actually did Richard Jefferson's podcast. Yes, that was did. your introductory to podcasts, I believe. Yep, that yes. was. Uh, I think that was the first one I've done. That was uh, much different than this format. Here we are. Um, we're not drinking wine. No, um, Aquafina. But, uh, Aquafina. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's our Pepsi plug for the day. Um, yeah, there's no, no no wine consumed, but I hope to have just as much fun uh, yeah. with this one as I did with that one. Would it have gone differently had he been an employee of yours at that point? <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly not. I mean, you know, it's been it's been a joy to have Richard around. Uh, it was funny, kind of the way it all came about, but. Um, uh, it's been a lot of fun to finally have a guy. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I want to say finally because I've had I've had several friends of mine over the years um, kind of come through the doors. Uh, most recently, Mike Miller, um, guys that I grew up playing basketball with. Richard and I didn't play uh, with each other or against each other, but we got to know uh, one another right after college. Um, and uh, they know the opportunity kind of presented itself, and we thought it made sense uh, from a roster standpoint. And so, you know, Richard to bring it full circle, how to be, would it be any different? And every year I give, I talk to the team one time and, uh, it's right, you know, in the middle of preseason when things are kind of going on and we've kind of trimmed the roster down a little bit. And I just kind of lay out a couple of fundamental things that I want to see from our organization. It's not, it doesn't have anything from wins to losses, just kind of a daily, you know, daily approach to, to how we want to want to do our, our program here in Denver. And, you know, everyone sat intently, you know, listening and it's only a couple minutes spiel. And, uh, you know, I, I think I got back off. Uh, I got, got out of the locker room, kind of went up, started in my office, started doing a few things, and I, our fantasy football chain text message chain was lighting <laughs> up. And uh, of course, it was Richard. You know, sarcastically telling everyone how how, how much he, I motivated him that morning with my locker room speech. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't think that it would have changed much of the format if Richard was with us or not last spring. But of course, it probably would have added a layer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's funny, uh, you know, how you are able to form like. Interesting friendships with people through these various, you know, activities you've got. I mean, a lot of like a lot of guys will get uh, like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and all these guys will get like familiar with each other in AAU basketball or they will do that. You know, you're talking specifically about Richard. I mean, uh, that's something that you were managed to maintain for many years now. Mm -hmm. Um, And do you think that kind of experience you had, uh, whatever, you know, college experience you had and all this stuff was 
like kind of invaluable to like forming relationships later? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that, um, you know, unfortunately we're in the sports business as I've gotten older. Um, but one of the things that my dad always told me, whether it was, um, you know, me playing soccer, um, as, as, a, as a, as a young man, actually as a young kid, um, kind of growing into focusing on basketball, yeah. uh, in my teenage years, he always said to use sports as a metaphor for life. And, you know, you meet a lot of different people from a lot of different, uh, backgrounds in life, a lot of different walks of life, uh, a lot of different socioeconomic, you know, situations. And, um, you know, I was exposed to a lot of different things, fortunately through sports and developed a lot of great friendships along the way. Um, because once you kind of, once you step between those lines, regardless of what sport you're playing, you know, it's a level playing field. And, uh, I think guys always, I might not have had the best ability, but I think guys always respected, uh, my work ethic, um, kind of my approach to, how I was doing things in a very kind of hard-nosed way. And so, you know, you earn respect, whether even though if you're not playing with or against somebody, maybe from afar. And uh, a few of those guys are still really good friends to this day. What guys are in the league still that you played against? And they're all getting too old, they're man. too old now. <laughs> um, uh, Dwayne Wade is my most, my most famous, famous one. Um, Marquette. I, I, yeah, Marquette. Marquette <laughs> versus Missouri, 2000, 2003 NCAA tournament, I think. They made wow. the Final Four. Um, but yeah, that was, that was fun to go in there. And unfortunately they beat us in overtime. Um, they ran this, I was guarding Steve Novak. I'll never forget it. They ran the same play three times in a row and you had to, you had to kind of bump a cutter and you know, I'm six, four and he's like six, nine. And so if I was half a second late getting to Steve Novak and he was like an unknown freshman, I think at the time, yeah. obviously the, the guy could shoot it and, uh, yeah. they beat us in overtime and Dwayne had the last laugh, but, um, there's a few guys still floating around. I'm trying to think though, but a lot of them are. I'll, I'll think of them as we as we go. But there's. Yeah. When did you graduate? I graduated in 2004. 2004. So, so yeah, yeah, better had a, better had a heck of a career if you're still playing. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, you did, yeah. And, and then you went full four years. I went. I was actually. I, I was a super senior. I was there for a fifth year. Oh, okay. Um, I got uh, my second year there. I got. It was, and this is before a lot of the studies uh, that are going on today. But I took an elbow from a big teammate and collapsed like a sack of potatoes and had post-concussive <laughs> syndrome. And, um, you know, we had, uh, we had several guys on the team, Keon Dooling, um, Kareem Rush, uh, a guy named Ricky Paulding that went on to get drafted by the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. Um, and so we had some really good guards, and so it just made sense for me to kind of sit, sit the year out and not, not waste a year. Um, I knew I wasn't going to be a pro player, and so I really wanted to kind of focus uh, on my college career. And so it, it – Gave me a year to mature, get healthy, and so I was a, a super senior. And by the way, so another one, Carmelo played against Carmelo. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Carrier yeah. Dome, they beat us too. How could we forget about Carmelo? Yeah, how, how could we forget about <laughs> Carmelo? Um, and I'll think of some more as we go, though. But it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I was playing against that Syracuse zone. <laughs> Tell you what, <laughs> I was thinking about that. There's, there's a with with the college three point line. This is the old college three point line too. Um, the old college three-point line, I think it was a few inches closer. Um, and they had Mello and a guy named Hakeem Warwick yep. um, yeah. who played in the league for, the for a number of years. Um, yeah. They were, those, were the two, those were the two wings on that 2-3 zone. And I'll tell you what, there was not a lot of space out there on a college court with those guys patrolling. I mean, I think Hakeem wound up making a national championship-saving block coming over on, yeah. the, on the on the on the weak side of that zone and when you got two, right. two guys that are especially in college two guys that are six foot nine and can really jump like that there's not a lot of space out there well that's that's a yeah. uh, 
who was that point guard on Syracuse? Uh, Jerry, uh, McNamara. McNamara, Jerry yeah. McNamara. And he was the great, the, the great un, unsung hero on that team because mm-hmm. he really held that team together. Yeah. Like, like he hit some big, blue. really big shots in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, he yeah. did. And it was it's interesting. And you know, looking back on that, all the all the people who came out two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five into the NBA draft. You know, those years that you were coming out of college, um, you're looking at maybe would the fut- what established the future of the NBA it just just in those 3 years mm-hmm. you know uh, Dwight Howard the next year yeah. um it's you you ever look back on that think you know like i could have been in the NBA draft <laughs> I, I you know knowing where my skill set was compared to other guys around me i don't think i was really nervous about getting selected or not getting selected um but uh, it is fun, though, to see um, – so my college coach, Quinn Snyder, now coaches the Utah Jazz. The Jazz, yeah. Um, and, you know, learning from a guy that, you know, had a lot of knowledge of the pro game even at the time when I was in college, it helps me. I mean, obviously, I'm not a coach by any means, but, um, you know, I see Quinn lot running a lot of the same stuff that he ran at Mizzou. Yeah. He's running it with a heck of a lot better players. Yeah. But uh, it's a lot of the same sets and uh, the same reads. Was he uh, – I mean, uh, the, the, the Jazz are kind of a slow, slower-paced team. Was he, was he that way in, at Missouri? You know, he wanted to get up and down. Um, but the college game, it's it's hard to run in the college game yeah. um, without taking a lot of bad shots. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, what's becoming a good shot versus a bad shot is now up for debate almost because, you know, I think quick threes in certain at certain points of the game are obviously yeah. an efficient shot as, uh, you know, kind of sabermetrics comes along and tells you what's, what's, what's good and what's bad of going on out there and most efficient. Um, but, yeah, in college and especially in college, it's, it's much easier – um, defensively because, you know, coaches, coaches have a real hammer in college. Yeah. And, you know, if you're not getting back on defense, um, and I, I know that was one of our things, giving up easy baskets in transition. And yeah. so, you know, make or miss, you know, you're, you're back. And uh, in college, I think it's just it, – but I, th- I see it opening up quite a bit as different teams kind of have different personnel and different styles, and the style kind of adjusts. But, um, you know, I mean, even thinking back, I mean, look at take a look at Trey Lyles. I mean, Trey's, yeah. Trey's playing playing here with us. Um, playing most a lot of minutes at, at power forward yeah. um, and that stretch four kind of role. And then what you think back, what did, what did he play at Kentucky? And I think he, he played a lot on the wing. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, and so that, that kind of tells you from a personnel standpoint where college is uh, quite a bit. But I think I'm sure as, you know, as, as, as young players are coming up and see what's going on in the NBA, you're just going to get more and more skilled guys that can do it all. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's some things out there like that. Yeah. yeah. We were talking a little bit before we started recording just about, you know, the Rams, the season they had and, being this kind of a young upstart team and and you have the nuggets almost, almost, you know, very similar. There's some overlap there, a young team coming up as well. Um, And you you mentioned Trey Lyles and and when I'm watching the nuggets this year, I'm, you know, there's all this talk and Jokic obviously is a very special player, but it's more than just Jokic in the team. And it's like, there's all these young guys where you're like, man, Trey Lyles looks like he can play Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, you, know, you have all these guys that are that are stepping up. Where, where do you see this Nuggets team right now, and kind of what is what, what do you like about this team and, and the direction that that you all, y'all are heading in now? Um, you know, it's been an interesting couple of years um, to, get to get to this point. Uh, you know, I knew there was going to be a lot of transition coming out of um, you know a season we had in 2012-13, coming out of Coach Carl, um, and kind of transitioning to a younger bunch. Um, and, you know, there was obviously a lot of bumps along the way, but with those bumps come opportunities and trades and drafts to acquire different guys. And, uh, you know, between Tim, Arturis, Coach Malone uh, the last couple of years, 
you know, they've, they've all had great ideas, and there have been guys who we've had circled, um, whether it be the draft or on other teams' rosters that we thought could make, uh, you know, a little bit of an impact here. And, you know, thinking back to draft night, you mentioned Trey Lyles. Trey was one of three guys we really liked um, in that draft around, around where we were. And, um, you know, there were some circumstances that were kind of unfolding around that time that let us, let us key in on Emmanuel Moutier. Um, but, you know, Trey was a guy that we really liked at the draft. And so, you know, fast forward two years later, you know, you're sitting there on draft night um, and, you know, you, you, you like the situation that you're in where we were picking. Um, and then you get a phone call where a team's aggressively trying to move up and you're like, hey, that's one of those guys that, you know, we've had circled. Um, in, in, in our history. And so um, it might have looked a little optically from the outside. You know, it might have looked a little funny, but we chose to move down. And a big reason for that was Trey Lyles and, and the skill set that he brought to our organization, um, the person, the player, and, and where he is in his growth curve uh, as a player and as a human being, you know, coming here. And so you think, you know, Trey's he's versatile. He can shoot it. And uh, he fits in our age group with these guys. And so, you know, Gary, Jamal, Trey, um, you know, and there's there's some guys that you know, when we say old is Will Barton old? Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> just just turned 27. Yeah, is uh, you know is Mason Plumlee is he getting up there in age? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, these guys are all key rotation guys for us. Um, and then the big one being Nicola. Um, you know, I think our Tim and those guys. You know, I, I remember first hearing about the conversation about Nicola um, this, the the year prior to us drafting him. And you know you see this guy on tape, and you're like, well, what what are we really watching here? You know, mm. you see these passes kind of thrown here and there, and the feel for the game was off the charts. But you know, you never know if that's really going to translate. And so we're really excited about the young group, um, the people uh, who they who they are as people. They're they're really hard workers. We think they're going to identify with the city really well, um, especially going forward as they continue to grow um, on and off the court. Um, and you know, we're still going to look. Uh, we got some flexibility. I think you know, we we got we don't have. You know, people always talk about different albatross contracts or the things like that. But we we're very flexible. We own all our own picks. We got some good players uh, who are good people, and I think that's a pretty good foundation. How do you kind of go about, and maybe not Lyle specifically, but his scenario of, you know, maybe a promising rookie year, kind of a an up and down second year, and then you guys give up an asset to go get a guy that's maybe a you know somewhat of a question mark. How do you how do you evaluate you know that he's going to be worth what you're going to be giving up like did you know he was going to be producing like he is now there's a second chance is that going to talking about trey specifically well maybe trey specifically and then maybe larger just yeah yeah. well you see it i mean look around the league i mean um you know we talked about this briefly uh in the past but you know i mean some guys they they really do need a a change of scenery and you know it's not just you know you're not just lip lip service when you're when you're talking about uh that type of scenario and you know whether it's Trey Lyles, um, you know, coming here and, you know, Trey, to, to, to Trey's credit, um, you know, he kept his head down and worked his, worked his tail off all, all summer and all fall. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we acquired Trey on draft night. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm sure Trey was, was very excited about the opportunity he saw in front of him. Less than two weeks later, we signed Paul Millsap. That opportunity is now, you know, it's, it's, very, it's, it's much narrower than it, than it was before. And then, you know, Trey, you know, to – Getting back to who he is as a person, he kept his head down. He worked hard. He kept he kept an amazingly positive attitude. And then all of a sudden, you know, the opportunity presents itself when Paul goes down with his wrist injury, and you know he steps into that role absolutely seamlessly. And that was all after I thought he played very well in the preseason. Yeah. Um, you know, he had he had some very good moments for us. Um, his skill set was on display at different times. Um, and you know, 
to to make it a broader conversation. You look at Will Barton. You know, Will Will came here yeah. from a situation yeah. where you know he he needed a change of scenery. They had and there was nothing that 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 Portland did or Will did wrong. They just they drafted very well. And when you got um, you know Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, you know, I mean that's a pretty good backcourt obviously and so you know will came here he made the most of his opportunity and you know now here he is um you know it's tough to have a conversation about six man of the year um and not at least talk about will barton for for a little bit of it it's uh that's one of those players that um that uh tim Connolly uh was believed in uh very much so and do you think part of that is um Maybe it's changing situation, but at the same time, belief in, yeah. in because there is a lot of players who feel like they're in their certain situation and they're not, maybe not through any sort of fault of the team, but they don't feel like they're, the team believes in them. They go somewhere else and suddenly they're producing because there's that belief behind them and that positivity positivity that they need <laughs> to go forward and be a productive player or you tap into potential that maybe they weren't showing before yeah i mean you know belief is a powerful thing in any in in anything you're doing in your life belief is a powerful thing and i think you know i saw some quotes thinking back to a few weeks ago um somebody i think asked coach malone what was different about this group than compared to you know his group in the past two years or so and uh he said belief And I think that was part of his answer, at least. And um, I think you see that down there. You see a lot of guys starting to believe in themselves. Um, You know, Jamal Murray over the last month or so um, has really started to to take another step in his growth growth curve. Um, And, you know, like you said, belief is a powerful thing. And, you know, especially um, going out there and doing it once and realizing that you can do it. You know, you're not just some guy sitting over there, you know, who's trying to make the most of his time in practice. You're going to get the opportunity to go out there and show what you can do in a game. And uh, and if you do it well, then we're going to let you keep doing it. And, um, you know, I think Coach Malone's been fantastic. He communicates well with it, with with our guys. He tells them, you know, and and if and the, tells them, you know, what what he expects of them, you know. And I think that uh, communication is key um, coming from him um, when it comes to this belief. So, yeah. well, I, it, it's one of those it's one of those situations where you you have to get there's a right guy for a right scenario or there's a right guy for a right situation. And I think that uh, you and I were discussing for the podcast, like with in Nuggets' own history, you had trades happen where guys came from a situation that where they weren't really maybe flourishing. And became legends like yeah. Fat Lever and Alex English. Yeah. Both were traded. Uh, 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 Alex English came from Indiana, mm-hmm. and uh, Fat Lever from Portland. And they were came into better situations and to situations that made them what they are. Yeah. And that power and the belief in that can kind of move people to maybe tap into potential that they didn't have before. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you know, putting style of play is a big thing. Yeah. Da- daily messaging. Um, you know, when you're talking about guys like. You, know, like you mentioned a name like Fat Lever, who we obviously we just retired yeah. in Jersey. I mean, coming here and being able to to spread it out a little bit, um, open it up for a guy like that just to showcase his skills. I mm-hmm. mean, I think the stats speak for themselves. Yeah. yeah. Have you been able to do like with your role with all these teams? I mean, it seems you know you have so many moving parts and different. <laughs> like, how do you how do you stay how do you stay on top of all your different teams and scenarios mm-hmm. and employees and everybody? You know, uh, the easiest thing I can say is we've got wonderful people. Um, you know, between, you know, just the two teams that I'm directly responsible for here in Denver with, with Tim Connolly and Joe Sackick. Um, you know, we, we, we communicate well with one another. We, we have, 
difficult conversations when they need to be had. We have, you know, I, I provide positive reinforcement when I think it needs to be needs to be there. Um, you know, thinking back to the Nuggets a few years ago, Tim and all those guys were, you know, they were getting down, and I'm like, look, guys, I'm like, you know, the the one thing that I, I can tell you is that, you know, after after all these things and all these opinions we've weighed, you know. We're not going. We're not going to be any any worse off than we are right now. I'm like, so take this feeling, pocket it, and go 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 put your head down and get back to work. And I promise you that that this will work itself out. And certainly, sometimes guys just need to feel that they they know that I'm not, you know, looking over their shoulder on a daily basis. I think you know, I look at everything and you know, ten, twelve game increments. Let's see see how the trends are going for the for the season. I think as long as you're kind of moving gradually upwards um, over the course of the year, you're going to be ups and downs. But, you know, as long as you're finishing the season, you know, playing your best towards the, towards the start of April, I think that's the goal for, for all of our teams. And, you know, last year the Avs had a little bit of a down year. Um, you know, and so most of my most of my effort around here was was centered on 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 them, making sure that that thing at that that point last year, thing, making sure things were were going to be okay, and we had the right people in place to to bounce back. And you know, I just told Joe, keep your head down, keep working, be patient, and uh, and good things will happen. And you know, the ABS are starting to respond. And I tell Tim and our tourists a lot of the same things over on the basketball side. You you, you and I. Um spoke about this a while back, but how would you describe your evolution as in your role, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Um, how would you describe that from, I mean, like I, I said this before, I met Josh 2010 at a, when Carmelo was here, Chauncey was here, all these guys, at a place called The Big Game. Which no longer right, exists. Right in the thick of the, <laughs> right in the thick of the mess. <laughs> and I, I, I was thinking about this actually before we were doing this podcast, and I'm like, God, you know, that's that was eight years old, you know, 2010. Goes fast. And I'm like, what, what is the difference now between Josh Cronkey of 2010 and the Josh Cronkey who is who you know runs multiple teams and. Um, is basically where you are now. Is there do you sense a greater sense of maturity in yourself, or do you think that you've always been essentially the same kind of uh, governor, so mm-hmm. to speak? No, I mean I think I've changed a lot. Um, you know, I, you know, at, at that point in time, I was more of like I want to say a micromanager, but I was I had my hand. I wanted to make sure that on a daily basis everything was was perfect. Yeah. And um, you know, thinking back to when we hired Masai, um, stepping into that whole Carmelo saga, um, you know, that brought our group together very quickly. Um, and that that certain scenario that I was stepping into, I kind of I'd had a little little birdie chirp in my ear that I might be stepping into a, a big swamp of, of a mess. <clears throat> but um <laughs> I knew that, uh, you know, I knew that um, we'd be able to get through it. And I knew there was going to be a ripple effect for several years um, coming out of that whole that whole scenario. And so in my daily my daily routine then was, you know, Masai and I would get here super early along with Pete. We'd we'd walk through every all the different phone calls that needed to go on that day and make sure that because because there was so much media focus at that time. And this is really when Twitter and everything was starting to really blow up Mm -hmm. um, as as a breaking. You know, it had been going on for a couple of years, obviously. But, you know, 2010, all of a sudden it became people realized what an efficient source of news it was. And so, you know, someone would say something to, you know, some, you know, locker room attendance cousin, and all of a sudden it's on Twitter as, you know, fact. Yeah. And so we, we, we had to, uh, we, we, we tightened things up and I made sure that the 
all the information was going through the proper channels. And that whole scenario, um, you know, and then coming out in a, I don't want to say a positive way because it's never positive to lose a, you know, an all NBA type player, but you know, I thought we handled it as best we could. And, um, I think that gave us all confidence, Masai, myself, Pete D'Alessandro, um, and then stepping into, uh, you know, a lockout, um, season, uh, that was interesting to go through. Um, you know, from my standpoint, I was, you know, by far the youngest guy in the room, um, going to those league meetings and I don't know if I said anything productive or not, but it was eye opening. Yeah. Um, to, to see the perspective that some of those individuals in that room were able to, to, to apply. And, um, you know, now here I am several years later, you said, I mean, it's like seven or eight now, uh, I guess it'll be uh, seven years since we've traded Mello in February. February. And, uh, yeah, I remember sitting down in my office and Masai and I kind of giving each other a big hug uh, <laughs> after all that went down. Um, but, you know, my role, I mean, I, I do a lot with a lot more with the Avalanche now than yeah. I did then, and I'm more, much more confident doing it. Um, you know, the first summer with them was uh, when I stepped into that, more into publicly into that role was summer of 2013. Yeah, summer of 2013. And... Um, uh, you know, Joe came aboard in a more official manner. Patrick Waugh came aboard. And so, you know, I have, I'm, I'm much more confident in my conversations with people because I have, yeah. I have a little perspective. Yeah. I have been through kind of some scenarios that, you know, hard, t- toughened me a little bit. I think I've always been kind of – I've never chosen the easy way. Um, but uh, especially the last few years, kind of going through the, some of the downturns that we have, you know, you can't get too high with the highs or too low with the lows. You yeah. just got to – you know, it's, it's, it's become a cliche, I guess, trust, trust the process, but you have to trust your process that you're doing and, uh, you know, believe in what you're trying to accomplish over the long term. And, you know, it's exciting for me to see, um, you know, the abs over the last month or so really kind of come together. Um, and I think, you know, after last night's game, uh, they're sitting in the eighth playoff spot. Um, uh, and then, you know, the nugs are, you know, through the injury to, you know, a guy we went out and got in free agency, um, you know, we're, we're right there in the thick of things as well with a very young team. Yeah. Yeah. So it's exciting. So how do you go about, you know, if, if what, what do you, what do you find important? I'll stick with NBA just, mm-hmm. just for fun. What do you find important about like, what is key for an NBA team? And then how do you go about just trying to make sure that that's happening or what, what if it's not going that way, <laughs> what kind of stuff would you have to do? Communication. It's a, such a simple thing, but it's such a difficult thing. Um, I think communication is key and, uh, simply with basketball, you know, um, from coach Malone to Arturis to Tim, to myself, um, all the way down to, you know, guys, you know, whether it's a training room or equipment room, you know, we all want to be on the same page and sometimes the being around everyone and, you know, it, it's human nature. People get on your nerves. You're in a, I'm in a bad mood one day. Tim's in a bad mood one day. But you still have to be able to kind of, kind of pull your, pull your pull, I guess, you know, pull, pull your shoes on and, and come in and, you know, well, Tim, I know you're in a bad mood, but I got, we got to talk about this because I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't understand what we're doing here. Um, and then, you know, Tim and I, we've had, we've had some really funny conversations over the years because you have to be blunt about it. And, um, you know, I think that uh, Coach Malone, it's been wonderful to have him here the last few years because I think he's starting, you know, and, and trust is something that, um, you know, trust is earned. You know, you can't just walk into a room and be like, hey, man, you got to trust me. And, you know, <laughs> I think that's that's great. And people can say that. But trust is really something that's earned over time. And I think that there's a lot of trust in our organization at this point, And I'm really excited to keep building on that trust because, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Coach Malone, 
um, you know, unsolicited to me sometimes, be like, yeah, you know, I should have done this differently. And I think he knows and understands and he trusts, trusts me that I'm not going to try to internalize that in some way to where I think he's actually doing a bad job. You know, I think yeah. Coach Malone has done an absolutely fantastic job with the group that we've had. There's been a lot of different transition with different draft picks over the years um, and integrating these young guys in a very efficient way. Um, and then, you know, having the clout to go out and have a face-to-face conversation with a guy like Paul Millsap, multiple-time All-Star, um, show him what we're trying to do. And I'm, I'm really pleased with the communication within our organization, especially when, when, times, uh, when times are tough, because it's always easy to, to, to pat each other on the back when things are going well. But, you know, um, if you see a certain trend that we all don't like, you know, I, and I encourage them to come to me. Hey, guys, if, that, if there's something organizationally we can be better at, you know, don't be afraid to come tell me because I want our organization to, to be up there, you know, in that top quartile with some of the other fantastic organizations around the league. And, uh, you know, Richard Jefferson, I told him, you know, to come back to him. I said, you know, do your thing. I was like, I think we got some pretty good young players. I was like, you know, I'd love, but I'd love to see, you know, what, what, what you think about, you know, our program from like, you know, what, what can I do from an ownership standpoint to help make a player's life that much better on a daily basis? And, you know, Richard, he does all, he'll do it in a, you know, humorous manner, like he, like he can, but, um, you know, he lets me know areas where he thinks he can improve because he's seen, he's seen a number of organizations around the league and he's seen championship organizations at this point, And that's what we strive to be. That's very good. How much, how much communication do you have then with players? Um, limited. Um, you know, I, I try to limit that. I think I can provide, um, a little bit of perspective and I, I never really talk sports specifics with guys. It's mostly about life. Um, you know, coming from the background that I come from, um, and then Jeff, you know, to your point about actually being, being around sports quite a bit, whether it was basketball since I played it or just being around locker rooms in general, um, you know, you forget sometimes what these guys are going through as people um, in their in their in their early twenties coming into this league. You know, I mean, people forget. I mean, you know, Jamal Murray is going out there and doing his thing. You know, if Jamal went down, Jamal went downtown. Jamal still couldn't buy beer, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, and so that was one of my jokes to Richard. Is if he ever had Jamal on the podcast, was to not give him any wine. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, you know, you, you forget what some of these guys are going through. I know what I was going through when I was 20 years old and had had none of the responsibility that, that a Jamal Murray, an Emmanuel Moutier at 21, 22, Nikola Jokic, these guys are going through big life changes. And uh, you do it on the fly, you know, and it's, it's they're coming into, a, you know, an economic situation a lot of guys didn't are not used to um, being paid in the manner that they are. You have family members come at you. You have outside people come at you. And, you know, life is life. You know, it's, it's, all, it's all a relative experience. And I think... If I can help guys in key areas off the floor um, at different times, whether it's you know ice hockey or basketball, I enjoy you know I enjoy talking to Gabe Landeskog and Nathan McKinnon and those guys. Um, you know they're all going through these, some of the exact same things that our basketball guys are going through, just slightly different experiences. And so you know yeah. if you can keep those guys uh, you know heads heads on their shoulders pretty well and, and their life, um, you know they're all going to make mistakes and they're all going to have their growing pains along the way, but. Um, however I can help out in, their, in the, the bigger picture of life, I think that's where I really enjoy it the most. How, how competitive do you get, and who do you find yourself competing against? On a daily basis? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, my competitive juices are kind of taken out with our teams. Um, and so, uh, you know, I was just telling my girlfriend last night, you know, I wasn't going to dwell on the, on the Rams game, but it was going to be, a, you know, a tough you know, I, I, you know, hey, just give me a little bit of quiet time and, you know, I'll be fine tomorrow. Um, but, you know, from a competitive standpoint, 
that's why we're in this business is to win. And, you know, I, as much as I want to sit here and say that it's, you know, it's fun to do this, it's fun to do that. It's fun to go out and win a lot of games. And, um, you know, going through that process and you're competitive, you know, to, on a daily, for a daily competitive thing, I don't know. Um, but, you know, over time, it's fun to try to see things that others don't and try to establish efficiencies in your own franchises that, that others might not see. It's like yeah. when you're, even when you're sitting in like league meetings or you're like, man, I can't wait to beat that guy. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few of those. There's a few of those. <laughs> I won't name names, but there's a few of those. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure I'm on a few people's list as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, how hard is it to like, when you see something like you really are, don't like, like on, on the basketball team, mm-hmm. how as hard is it for you to stay out of saying something about it? Uh, you know, it's not that hard anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, because I know I don't want somebody micromanaging my day. Yeah. And so I just put myself in their shoes. And so at some point, Tim and I will talk about it. Um, you know, Tim, Tim and Arturis and I usually have a pretty good flow of communication, whether it's via text message yeah. um, or when I'm in town here in Denver or fortunately with cell phones nowadays. I mean, you know, FaceTime, you can talk about anything wherever. It's true. Um, I mean, I remember I got the... I got the call. We had we had had we had had lunch with, or actually we had breakfast with Gary's agents, um, you know, this fall, and uh, and I, I gave Tim kind of some certain parameters to to work around, and and all of a sudden Tim gives me the you know, are you available? And I'm like, and I was on my way to a concert, <laughs> and I was like, of course, you know, I got another ten minutes here, and so within that ten minute span, you know, we were able to finalize the terms of the deal, wow. um, and then we got Gary on the phone to to tell him congratulations as well. And so you know, technology—that's the best thing about it—is you know, you're, you're you're available, and I know they are as well. And um, you know, and if and if one of us isn't, we're usually getting back in touch with them as soon as we can. So um, back to communication again, though, yeah. How did you, have you liked Gary Harris's progress? I know, like his first year, there was people. Uh, even like maybe Jeff here that was like, yeah, this guy can't shoot and this and that. And then you're like, no, Jeff's just, always so negative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why do you throw like, me under the bus? I'm like, let's just give him some time. You know? like, and, then, and then lo and behold, the second year he gets to play and all of a sudden, you know, now he's signing this, yeah. you know, these, this yeah. huge contract extension that he got. And, yeah. you know, how, how, is it rewarding to see that, to see a guy that you bring in here, you draft and then. Incredibly. And, yeah. Um, I think Gary Harris um, embodies everything that we're trying to do here in Denver, Colorado. Um, Gary came to us, you know, he was a guy we had circled. Um, I remember thinking back to that draft and that was, that was actually, I think Tim and Arturis's first real draft together. Um, they had, you know, they had the year to prepare. Um, you know, I was jokingly telling Tim that that first draft, I think Arturis wasn't even on board yet. And Tim didn't have to hit the ground running. He had to hit the ground, like literally at like a full sprint, um, leading up into that, that draft and that, um, that off season, there was probably too much change, but, um, we got it settled down and I'm really pleased with where things are. And, you know, so heading into that, um, that, that draft with Gary in it, I think we picked, I don't want to say 11, 12, somewhere around there. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and we got the phone call about, um, possibly moving down and, you know, we really liked, we actually really liked Gary at that pick. Um, yeah, there's another player that we liked. Um, and then, you know, Tim starts doing his magic that he, that, that he does. And, uh, Artura starts making his phone calls and you start realizing where, what, what, you know, Hey, you're never certain. Um, but you have a pretty good idea of what, what might happen. And so we elected to trade down. Um, we were able to create a roster spot by trading down and picking up a first round pick. And so, you know, with where we were at the time, regardless of, of what was going on, we thought it cleaned up our roster and it gave us an additional chance in the first round. And I think if you go back and look at that draft, 
where would Gary stack now and where would Yusuf stack now? Yeah. And, um, you know, there was a team, I think with those, those guys were picked 16 and 19, and there was a team in that 17, 18 range that we, we were able to at least figure out, you know, really liked Yusuf. And so we, 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 we knew that with their roster situation, they probably wouldn't take a guard. And so we elected to go. We even took another gamble and took Yusuf first. And, yeah. and, then we, and then fortunately, you know, Gary was there, still there at 19. Um, but back to Gary, you know, as a, you know, as a embodies of what we're doing, I think, you know, his first year he didn't get a lot of opportunities. Um, but he was young. You know, I mean, he was a – I think he came out after his sophomore year. Um, he was, uh, you know, just learning, learning, learning the ways of the world and the ways of the league. And, you know, I think my dad tells the best story about Gary. Um, you know, we go to go to, we go, my dad goes down to the gym almost every morning when he's here in Denver. And, uh, you know, the weight room is right there connected to the practice court. And Gary Harris put more time out there than anyone else. And, um, you could see it starting to come and you didn't know if it was really going to translate, but you knew the work ethic was there and the personality of, of you know, the, the very successful mindset was in there somewhere. And Gary just kept working, kept working, kept working. And that was what I, you know, what I told him on the phone that night with when we were finally able to, to, to get the extension done was that, you know, Gary, you've earned every, every dime of this. And, you know, if, we, if we're able to draft players like him that eventually we have to pay contracts to like this and I will be the happiest, happiest yeah. person I, I could be, even if, you know, we're well into the luxury tax because we have guys that are out there working hard, representing themselves well, and we're willing to play, you know, and especially extending him early like that. Yeah. And I think that we wanted to show him who we, who we thought he was as a player and as a person and uh, that he does truly embody what we're trying to accomplish out here. You uh, actually just brought up brought up what I was going to talk about next because there's some decisions to be made. Obviously, you can't get into specifics, but um, you know Nicola's due uh, for an extension, and it'll put the Nuggets into like a lot higher with with what that's going on and a lot higher salary. And is do you find yourself just in a general sense? Do you find yourself looking at that sort of thing and thinking? How can we stay under a certain mark, or how do we retain our players? And then do those two things conflict in your mind, or do they, do they have to meet the same goal, I, mm-hmm. I suppose? Because there's always that consideration uh, with any team. It, it doesn't matter who you are. And when you look at so, does it like kind of give you heartburn? Kind of thinking about, oh, we kind of have to do this, you know, and, and get get out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a delicate balance. Um, but you know, I think if you look at our ownership historically we've never really been able to we never really been afraid to do anything like that and you know the Carmelo you know a lot of those years with Carmelo out here Kenyon Marcus Camby Nene J.R. Smith Allen Iverson I mean we had like the I don't know what it was what the actual number was but I know we were in the top three four payroll in the league it's pretty big yeah and uh we were well into the luxury tax and um you know if the opportunity presents itself to have a heck of a good team you know I don't think we would hesitate. Um, so it's more about retaining our own players. I think obviously you have to be reasonable in that. I mean, I don't yep. think that, you know, if you wind up with like a $220 million payroll with a hundred and something, $110 million cap, you might yep. have, might have some issues. But <laughs> <laughs> I think anybody would, but um, you know, I think that, that within reason, we're going to try to retain everything, everything that we can because, uh, and that was really, you know, um, to shed a little light on, uh, you know, the Gary, the Gary conversation. Um, you know, we were, going back and forth with them. And, you know, Tim was doing a fantastic job of keeping the lines of communication open. And, um, you know, what I said to, uh, 
what I finally said to Tim was, you know, look, you know, they need to understand that, you know, I, I was like, Tim, I don't know how you feel. I'm like, but I think you feel very similar to me. I think we got a pretty good young team. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to going to translate to wins and losses this year, but if we don't extend Gary right now, you know, we head into the summer with a bunch of really good young players and a ton of flexibility. Yeah. And I'm like, as much as I would love to get something done now, you know, it has to be within reason because, you know, we're, 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 we're eliminating some of that future flexibility with a really good young team. And yeah. so, you know, with that flexibility, I mean, could you go out and sign somebody and then sign Gary and then your salaries are through the roof. And yeah. so that was the opportunity that I was really thinking about. And, uh, you know, from an ownership standpoint, you know, in football, you can't really do it. It's a hard cap and hockey. You can't do it anymore. Um, um, now that it's a hard cap system, but you know our hockey payrolls were always through the roof. I think we had the highest payroll in the league for a number of years when we yes. first took over the team, um, and that hard cap system was really put in for us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, but it, it's uh, it's it's something that we that we talk about, and you know if we ever get to the place where we have a you know a bunch of bunch of really good young players that are about to get paid, and we have a team that's kind of ready to take off, I think it'll be a Really fun problem to have. No, it's nice to uh, well, I guess to put it to you this way, it's nice to have that kind of issue rather you know having to retain someone that you drafted mm-hmm. who's good rather than having to go seek someone yeah. who maybe not work out. Mm-hmm. And I think that that part I think usually plays into to uh, thinking of well, not usually, but it, it is a better way to look at that. Uh, when you're trying to have to make these decisions, like important decisions going forward, and it's kind of, as you said, a good problem to have mm-hmm. to be wanting to keep someone and not having to go get someone. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know. And this was kind of what, I mean, you had talked about this leading up to these past few drafts of you guys wanting to, you know, build the team through the draft, which I thought was an excellent strategy, and it's it's really panned out. How much of this? How much of the draft is like a crapshoot, and how much can you really... Like you guys like Harris, you get him, and he turns into a good player. Have you seen anything different out of, of out of this front office and yourself that's been able to identify these players? Or no, I mean Tim and Tim and Arturis lead that charge. We have an amazing scouting group. You know Jim Klibanoff, Scott Howard. Um, you mentioned I think Rafael a minute ago, yeah. um, and I'm sure who else am I who else am I forgetting? We got Calvin now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a we, we have a small group, but it's a, it's it's a wonderful group, and I think we we prefer it small because we have. Really, really spirited conversations. Let's just leave it at that. In there, <laughs> over, over who we think you know might might be this, might be that. And you know, I do. I used to go out on the road. I mean, I remember um, my first couple of years here. I would be out looking at a lot of a lot of different players, going yeah. around doing different things. Even when Masai was here, those first couple of years, I'd be. I remember going to the Madison Square Garden with him, seeing some of those players. Um, I don't do it at all anymore. I mean, I I think that you know watching games on my couch when I when I can is about as efficient <laughs> as I could do it at this point. And yeah. so I defer all all to those guys. And um, and I think that they've they've done an outstanding job. You know, yeah. thinking back to like you know I mentioned it a second ago. I don't know where that draft stacks with, um, you know. Yusuf Gary, and then you know, obviously you have to include Nicola in that as well in the second round. Yeah, I mean, is that? I think you probably got three of the top ten of that draft. Yeah, and, and you didn't pick in the top ten, and um, then you know we have we have different guys. Like I said, we circled. You know, Emmanuel was was a guy we had circled, rated very highly as well as other teams did. Yeah. Um, there's there's two other guys in that draft as well. Trey was one of them that we yeah. had circled, um, and then uh, you know sometimes you got to get lucky. Uh, we had Jamal Murray stack three. And, um, you know, Tim, I remember the week of that draft, Tim starts kind of coming to me and he's like, you know, he goes, I think Jamal Murray's going to be there at seven. <laughs> and I was like, 
what are you know what are you drinking because you know, I'd love to have some of that because I don't I don't really see how that's going to be possible yeah. and uh, you know I never met the kid um, I'd heard good things about him through the Kentucky grapevine and then sure enough you know you know our, our homework was uh, correct him and Arturis's homework was correct and so um, Jamal fell to us at, at, at seven there and so um, you got to be lucky um, a little bit um, because like you know Nate to, your, to answer your question as much as, as much as it is you know you're trying to figure out um, you know what their skill set is um, it, it comes down to who they are as people and their motivation and I, and that's the hardest thing that you're going to figure out because you never know what someone's going to be like once they have you know money in their pocket that they've never had before. Um, you never know when they get you know they might start to get some record. How do you, how do they handle success um, on a scale that they haven't before? And um, you know I think we've got a we've got a pretty good group of guys um, that are very selfless individuals. Um, I think you see that through our style of play. Really, the ball kind of flies around, um, which I think from a fan standpoint is a lot of fun to see as well. So yeah. um, it's it's a very inexact science as much as people want to try to make it the opposite um but you know i think that you know no one's ever going to bat a thousand you know i mean i know there was a lot of like i said there was there was different things you know our draft night wasn't perfect but you know we made the most of the opportunities that were presented in front of us and you know to see trey lyles out there doing his thing is incredibly rewarding for us because you know that was a guy that we we thought 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 highly of a few years ago yeah and that was the big thing that this past draft was you know a lot of the media guys were all over the place with what they thought about the draft, and now that Lyles is playing well, it's like that. It feels pretty good. Was Jeff was Jeff down on us on Twitter? I, I was I not. Really <laughs> I I I was one of the, if the for a change. I was not negative. Um, I, okay. I that was uh, that was a okay. rough that was a rough night because it was that there was it was an interesting vibe. Um, I, I will be self admit that in that uh, draft in the in the in the in the media lounge. After OG and uh, um, Donovan Mitchell was was gone, I think it was just there was people a lot of like what's going on, and you guys ended up getting you know Tyler Lydon and uh, uh, Trey, Trey Lyles and um, and uh, Monty Morris in the second round, and I don't think a lot of people knew how to process that draft mm-hmm. when you came out of that. What was your feeling because? It it seemed uh, I don't know the vibe was different I guess in, in this one as opposed to as opposed to the last couple of years. It was much different. Um, there were a ton of scenarios on the table. Um, my phone was buzz 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 as <laughs> as everyone else's was. But um, you know it was an interesting evening. And when you look back on that 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 draft in hindsight, and you know you see what played out um, with the the player that was selected where we were, and we elected to move down. Um, you know. We felt that, you know, in, in, in the moment, we felt that acquiring a guy like Trey and then, you know, you weren't certain what was going to happen behind, behind you once you moved down. Um, but we picked up two guys that, that couldn't be more seamless in the modern NBA. Um, they're 6'8", six, 6'9", six, you know, Tyler might even be 6'10", I don't know. Yeah. Trey might be 6'10". Trey's a big, Trey's, big Trey's a big young man. And, um, you know... They they fit they they can shoot they can pass and they're big and so today in today's today's NBA of you know let's switch everything you know or at least switch one through four um, and see what happens um, those are two guys that we thought you know we didn't know exactly where they might they might wind up but Trey in particular um, being in the moment of the, the the thought process of moving down 
like I said, he was a guy we were very high on at the draft several years ago. Um, fits that kind of position of you know versatility, um, and you know knowing where he was in his growth curve uh, was very exciting for us. So mm-hmm. you know I think while we didn't leave with the you know doing high fives and you know cartwheeling down the hallway, we were still still fairly pleased with with the way everything transpired. Yeah. Especially if Lyles is going to average like seventeen again. I tell you what, I I, I, I will be I'll be honest. If we look at the last month, really the the people who have carried this team are the draft picks we've been talking about: Jamal Murray, well, not and and uh, uh, Gary Harris, mm-hmm. and with the draft day acquisition of Trey Lyles. Yeah, this team has been basically these three guys really kind of willing these teams to, to the team to win these games, mm-hmm. and that's there has to be some sort of uh, I don't know, little bit of gratification yeah. to see how. Uh, Trey Lyle specifically is performing, considering the uh, onslaught. I don't know. You, you probably haven't seen it of, <laughs> of people talking about Donovan Mitchell uh, since that since that trade went down. I I, I I know personally, I have felt a lot of vindication for saying the draft was okay. Yeah. But I don't I don't know if I can apply that to other people. So. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, and, and you know, there's gonna be there's gonna be really strong arguments for either way. But you know, even if we stayed where we did. Um, you know, uh, does Donovan Mitchell get that opportunity, same opportunity here? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, he's a heck of a player, mm-hmm. and he's doing great things. Um, the Utah Jaguars organization is phenomenal, The Greg, Greg Miller and his family, um, and then, you know, Coach Schneider there as well. Um, I think they're doing, they're doing a wonderful job with that, that young man, and, you know, but we felt pretty good where we were at the time, um, you know, and I think that, you know, Heading into that 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 situation, you know, you're really talking about your existing group of guards, and we felt pretty good about them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, and you look at successful NBA teams, and you start breaking down where players came from, and you see, you know, use the Spurs as an example. They draft yeah. Ginobili, Parker, Duncan. Then they bring in some free agents. You know, you guys get Millsap. You have, you know, Trey Lyles, a guy that's you know, maybe down and out in Utah, comes here, thrives. You sign a guy like Tory Craig out of Australia who, you know, is a journeyman that now looks like he maybe he should be on this roster full time. Yeah. Uh, where do you see those guys in the NBA? Guys like Tory Craig that you know maybe their opportunity was passed when they were rookies and then they fight their way to get back into the league. You don't really see a lot of those stories, mm. not no. in the NBA. No, I mean I, I I had I had no idea what what we had in Tory Craig until we went to summer league and um, you know within a game, I mean, even a couple of practices. Um, you know, Tim started chirping in my ear, Artur started chirping in my ear, and uh, all of a sudden it became, you know, we might, we need, we need to think, we might need to think about signing this guy to a two-way that, you know, it became, Josh, if we don't do this in the next day, somebody might swoop in <laughs> and, and, and try and try and take him from us. And, you know, um, that's another one of those those guys that, you know, where, where does their motivation come from? from for, for Tori, I assume it comes from, you know, bouncing around, um, you know, making a name for himself in other leagues, um, you know, previously in Australia. Yeah. And, uh, you know, keeping your head down, believing in yourself, um, and then making the most of the opportunity once it's presented to you. And I think that, you know, Tori's a, a case study in, you know, believing in yourself. And uh, I think that, you know, when he when he got the most of his opportunity and kind of ma- made it into our on, onto our radar over the summer, and then, you know, even now when he got the opportunity to come up um, and be a part of the part of the, the Nuggets team um, on his two way contract. I mean, you're seeing you're seeing what he can do from a defensive standpoint, make open shots and uh, make make smart plays. And then you go kind of the opposite way and you have Jokic, who's 
kind of the <laughs> darling of the NBA, you know, and he, he's come a long way, just his English, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. in every aspect of his life. Yeah. And Jeff sent me this video, the gold-blooded video. Oh, gold-blooded. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a new promotional video. It's, it's fantastic for every, everybody out there listening. You got to watch it. It's just kind of a series of outtakes and just a great video produced by your guys' marketing team. I thought it was one of the better ones. I haven't seen it yet, so I'll. Uh, You'll hey, what? Well, it's very. It. It's it's. It, I was impressed, and I'm not easily impressed with like little things like that. But that was Gary Harris has some great lines. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Gary Harris was really funny in it. That well, was, fi- was, we finally yeah. somehow managed to impress Jeff. Then. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Mr. Negativity. <laughs> Jeff's on board. With it. Yeah. What, what do you think of Jokic? What, I mean, you've obviously probably gotten to know him pretty well. Mm-hmm. Have you been involved in any of these uh, famous? wrestling matches at his house with him and his brothers? You know, fortunately, I have not. I think I would be the first one down and probably get myself hurt in about 10 <laughs> seconds. Um, when, you see, when you look at Jokic, uh, like on the court, it feels like guys want to bully him around. Mm-hmm. But it's like, can you? Like he's got this tough, he's yeah. got these tough yeah. brothers that beat him up all the time. He's a tough guy, right? He's a very tough guy. Yeah. Um, he might not give you that impression, but he's a very, very tough guy. Um, you know, to having two older brothers like that, um, you know, coming from, you know, coming from Eastern Europe the way he did, uh, and then having two older brothers that provide a consistent tough love, um, I think is, is an amazing thing and has helped shape who he is, obviously, fundamentally as a person. And um, to see his growth is incredible, obviously. I think that people are just starting to kind of be like, really? You know, I mean, like yeah. last year was kind of the moment where everyone's like, okay, like maybe I see it, but then, you know, can he sustain it? Well, you know, I think he is. And I think he's starting to even get better in certain areas. Maybe his numbers are up and down here and there. But, you know, there's a, there's only a few guys that can go out there and, and, and play the game the way that he does with the field that he does. And uh, it's been, you know, phenomenal to, to see his, like his growth, as obviously, as a player. Um, but as a person, I think he has that foundation provided by his family that as he starts to achieve more and more success, he's going to remain the same person. And... Uh, you know, as from a basketball standpoint, I think he's just figuring out who, who he is. How good can he be? Um, you know, I think, you know, thinking back to last year, you know, he made a couple of moves here and there where obviously guys were coming at him, whether it was a Draymond Green, whether it was a LeBron James. Um, everybody wanted to, to see what the kid could do. And, you know, he usually was able to stand up um, to those guys. And, uh, you know, if he failed the first time, he wasn't afraid to go back the second time. And he made a move last year. We were playing the Warriors, and I watched him. Um, he had Draymond Green guarding him, and he made a move. And uh, I think I don't know if Draymond either stripped him or he, he got called for a travel. And you know, Nicola was this, he was that, and I could see him. I forget. I don't know if he went over and he talked to one of our assistants, and then he went over and talked to one of the officials about what had happened. And about I don't know, series or two later, the similar opportunity presented itself, and it was he he made the exact same move, but he presented a fake along with it, and he got fouled. And um, I was like, within you know, three minutes of game time, he had learned something, corrected it on the fly, and you know, was able to turn it into a positive for us. And I think you know that speaks to the basketball IQ that he goes out there with, because as much as you know, as much as he's throwing things around and people see all the flashy things, what goes on in between his ears is pretty pretty incredible. <laughs> uh, there's been some. It's been a interesting kind of. The, you know, development with this year because they, the the Nuggets, the Nuggets, the team hasn't relied as much on him this year. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that's been one of the one of the uh, kind of the revelations. And even with Millsap out of the lineup, you still have a lot of 
Jamal Murray, who's really expl- – I mean, Jamal Murray's last month and a half has been phenomenal. We're big Jamal Murray guys over here. Yes, <laughs> has been absolutely phenomenal. You know, I'm a big Jamal Murray guy too. Well, apparently I really I'm like the – I'm a big the, Nuggets player guy. Yes. <laughs> I, apparently I'm really uh, Nuggets uh, – for former Kentucky players, uh, uh, Canadian guy. Um, but there is a – there seems to be a big leap there, and it, the, one of the heartening things has been they haven't been as reliant as they were last year on Nikola because, you know, he would go out and the ball wouldn't move the same way. They'd be so reliant on him distributing. Now it seems like everyone is stepping up in a different way, specifically Jamal, um, to a point where you can see that, that coming, coming up. Was that something that you were hoping to see this year? from these other guys, just kind of like that kind of emergence outside of the spectrum of Nikola Jokic? Um, yeah. You know, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's taken a few months. Um, you know, we had some interesting, and I'm sure it was reported in different places, but we had some interesting offers over the summer f- to include Jamal in different deals and, yeah. and maybe take a shortcut towards uh, trying to win a few more games this year. But I think organizationally we believed in a lot of these young guys, Jamal as well. Um, and so it's, you know, it's very rewarding to see him taking the leaps that he has um, over the last month and a half, as you mentioned. Um, from a Nicola standpoint and how, you know, our team is flowing around him and not, not relying on him as much, you know, I think that comes with the most underrated thing in all of sports. When you look at the San Antonio Spurs, when you look at the, you know, New England Patriots, um, when you look at, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, there is a underlying theme that kind of goes on that kind of a lot of times goes unnoticed, and that's continuity. And <clears throat> I think continuity is the most underappreciated thing yeah. in pro sports um, because, you know, from, from, a, from an owner to a president to a general manager um, to a head coach to your, you know, star player all the way down to the guy at the end of the bench, you got to know what to expect from one another. Yeah. And for a lot of our younger players, you know, they had to establish who they were. They're still having to establish who they are as players, what, who's going to play what role. Um, you know, Nicola has kind of you know emerged to the to the top of that initially, but there's some other guys on this roster that might have a have a say about that as mm-hmm. as they continue to improve and mature. And um, so I, I've been you know I've been actually very pleased you know win lose or draw to see some guys trying to assert themselves in yeah. different ways because that's only going to benefit us down the road um, as these guys continue to play together for a number of years. I like it. You like it? I uh, I, I do have a question that has nothing to do with the Nuggets. But oh no. Oh, um, no. <laughs> but this isn't in Mr. Negativity's episode. <laughs> it's um, okay, Jeff. You can, ask, you can ask the hard ones, I promise. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> this is more about uh, your experience just in general as someone who's worked you know, in KSE yeah. for a long time. You've um, at Kroenke Sports Enterprises. Um, oh, it's Kroenke Sports and Entertainment. Right? And Entertainment. Yeah, it was originally Kroenke Sports Enterprises. Oh, my God. I'm living as, in the- we've, as we have the... Uh, the Paramount downtown. We have a, you know, some more venues. I didn't know you had the Paramount. Really? Yeah. Wow. Three oh. years. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, come on. You got to read something other than the sports I, page. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I um, Jeff's, I, Jeff's just doing like he always does. Living in the past. <laughs> living in the past. Exactly. Um, I, it, but you know, with your experiences outside of the Nuggets, mm-hmm. like we you know, we talked about the Rams. You were, uh, for a while, you uh, were doing a lot with Arsenal, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what has that been like outside of, of, like, what we're talking about with the Nuggets, which is our real house, but, like, dealing with, you know, 
the the crazies uh, in 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 uh, Europe and who love their love their football, and then uh, transferring that over to maybe MLS to uh, uh, to NFL. Are these all separate like experiences? Are they all distinctly separate, or do they all fall under the umbrella of just fans or fandom and all that? You know, fandom is an interesting thing. Um, you know, you you mentioned the uh, you know the, the the intensity of what of you know European football yeah. um, and English football in particular, and um, you know I think the best and the worst thing that I encounter in, in on a daily basis is passion. Yeah. And but I love it. I mm-hmm. love I love hearing, you know, when things are going great, people are passionate about you know the the success. When things are going poorly, people are very passionate, even more so about the uh, the lack of success. And, um, so, you know, I get in different conversations with different fans and, you know, every now and then you might, might encounter one that might be slightly irrational, but usually after a conversation, you can pretty much talk about a lot of things and agree on a lot of things because you really, you, at the end of the day, I, I, you know, and I think that's what people want to make sure they understand is that how, how passionate we are about, about our teams. Um, they don't want to sit there and think that, you know, they're, they're plunking down good money to go see something that the, the guy at the top of the organizational charts, not too passionate about. But I mean, I set my alarm, you know, at, you know, five, six o'clock sometimes to get up and watch those Arsenal matches that are going on at, you know, at 1240 for the kick, 1245 kickoffs over in London. Um, you know, whether it's the, the Rams, uh, playing the Nuggets playing. I mean, I was over there for, I was in London for, um, a week. Uh, around uh, the Rams played over there. Arsenal had a board meeting, yeah. and Arsenal had another big match. And you know, it was cool. I was sitting down in the hotel lobby on the the better Wi-Fi that I had in my room and streaming the Avalanche game um, at three o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep. And <laughs> um, and then you know the next night it was the exact same thing with the Nuggets. Yeah. And um, sit there and watch on my iPad, and you know it's it's. I'm, I'm sure if people could see me in those moments, they would understand how truly passionate that we all are. But um, you know, Jeff, to, to your point about the different teams and the different, the different things, the different interactions that I have, the people are incredible, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, talking to fans about something or talking to, you know, Arsene Wenger, you know, the manager of Arsenal about, um, you know, his, his development of, of, of people and players and, uh, the Arsenal way. And, um, you know, you know, there's, they have a saying over there, victory through harmony. And, um, uh, Tim and I actually we, we we applied that to our our coaching search this this time around um, in basketball a few yeah. years ago. Tim Arturis and I really it was a conversation that we had, and I was like, "Look, guys, I'm like, there's this saying, victory through harmony," and I was like, "You know, what does that mean? You know, maybe it's slightly ambiguous, but for me, it means you know to have a seamless line of communication across all platforms because if we're all in, working in harmony together, you know, none of our energy is going towards a place that." doesn't make us better on a daily basis. And, you know, there are a lot of organizations where you come in to come into the office and a lot of your energy is spent putting out these little fires, you know, these little, well, we got to get this guy to practice. You know, this guy is, you know, he doesn't want to do this today. And, you know, when you, when you get a group of individuals, it's all pulling the same direction on a daily basis. It's amazing. Uh, amazing how much more energy you can put into it. Take me back. 17 year old Josh Kroenke. Oh boy. You're thinking, okay. I don't know what I'm, I was thinking. I'm a, I'm a, teen, I'm a teenager. <laughs> Not but much, I can I'm, assure you. I'm about to graduate high school. In about 18 years, I'm going to be uh, heavily involved with running several professional sports franchises. Yeah. Or were you thinking, 
I, I, I am just a teenager. I think I'm going to be the world's best basketball player. Is it was did the evolution of thought happen in college? Did you did you think that you would be involved with KSE at that? Well, it wasn't well, even KSE K- at that K- point. K- I mean, yeah. You know, KSE was just a it was a forty percent you know thirty five to forty percent stake of the Rams. Yeah. At that point in time, um, and so you know, I grew up going to a lot of Rams games, um, seeing the, the 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 ins and outs of you know an NFL locker room. I wasn't around it a lot, you know, from a practice standpoint because I was always either you know, in school or probably practicing basketball somewhere or soccer. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, 17-year-old me was probably just focused on getting up the next day and doing whatever I had had set out to try to do, which was probably a lot of basketball workouts, mm-hmm. um, trying to get a scholarship to a Division One university. That was a big goal of mine at the time. Um and, uh, you know, I mean, I think, you know, trying to make decent grades in school, you know, if not for myself, so I wouldn't get in trouble with my parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like most that's, of us. <laughs> that's the story. That is the story with that. Yeah. No, but I mean, like, I mean, like you were going, you're uh, dead set on, I mean, I know, you know, from talking to yeah. a little bit of your dad and uh, know that, you know, that basketball was, was big in your life. Mm-hmm. and. A lot of things of, I mean, you know, staying in with basketball. That was obviously you knew, uh, as you told us earlier, that you know you knew you, your future wasn't in playing. Mm-hmm. But did you did you really did you have that thing in your mind that like I'm going to stay involved yeah. with with mm-hmm. this sort of thing, mm-hmm. or was it uh, I just want to do what I just grow up basically. Yeah. I want to be I want to be an adult like the rest of us. You know? I so that probably transitioned. That, that definitely happened in college. Um, and you know, like I said, I was there for five years. Um, and you know, a lot of people are only there for you know, even three or four. Um, but um, I was a super senior, um, and probably by that redshirt year was very eye opening for me because it was my second year in college. Um, you know, I didn't have the daily practice responsibilities because. When I would run, a lot of times I would get headaches. And so they would have to do these different treatments on, like, my neck to make sure that, like, you know, muscles weren't spasming. Because you know, I had gotten clocked and my head had rotated. And that's what, you know, oh, causes really? spasms and oh. all that stuff. And, uh, and so, you know, sitting, sitting around and watching daily practice, you know, I, I picked up on a lot of stuff. And I realized that, you know, whether it was, you know, a teammate or somebody else, Coach – the coach would usually have to tell me things one time and I understood why he wanted this done. I understood why as the play flowed, um, why we needed to look at this option first, why the ball needed to touch the paint before we, the perimeter players were allowed to probably shoot ball needed to change sides and make the defense shift and do all these different types of things. And so when I came back from my third year, um, we were still very talented. Kareem Rush was still there. A guy named Clarence Gilbert, um, Ricky Paulding, Arthur Johnson. These were guys were all kind of all Big 12 performers at the time. We were Missouri was a Big 12 school uh, way back then for the SEC, and yeah. uh, you know that was. So then I came back, and my I don't know halfway through my third year, um, my redshirt sophomore year, we were we had been ranked as high as number two that year, and uh, I wasn't playing a ton. Our team started to slip. And, you know, what I kind of came to realize is that, you know, for me to really get out there and be able to play, I didn't need to. Sh- I, I, I'd shoot the three when I was open, yeah. but I needed I needed to be barking out orders. I needed to be telling guys what to do and I needed to make the right crisp pass when needed, because a lot of t- our, our a lot of times our, our skilled post players weren't able to get the ball. Yeah. And um, 
So I started carving out minutes there. I think Coach Snyder started to trust me more. And then I came back for my fourth year, which was my junior year. And then I started half the year. Um, and, you know, I played okay, but we had a really talented freshman named Jimmy McKinney. Um, and then, you know, once you get beat out by a freshman, you realize that, you know, there's some guys out there that just have – that are gifted with things that I'm just not. You know, and I, I was – once an athlete, Richard would jokingly tell, I think he did on this podcast, I used to be able to like windmill and do all this stuff, but like my knees, <laughs> my knees didn't really love that very much. <laughs> and, um, and so I became kind of less athletic in college for some reason. <laughs> and, um, so I started to have to think more and more. And, you know, it's interesting because basketball is a game of flow. And, you know, the more you think, the worse you actually kind of play. Yeah. You got to get yourself to a point where you're not thinking as much out there. And so the, the more intelligent that I, I thought I became about the game, the worse player I thought I became. Oh, wow. <laughs> because I was thinking, I was thinking so much. Yeah. I, knew, yeah. I knew that Coach yeah. Snyder really trusted me out there. And I was, you know, and he would tell the, the, you know, the different media outlets that I was kind of his voice on the floor at different times. And so um, as things got towards the end of my senior year, um, you know, I think Coach Snyder or somebody on our staff really wanted to sit down and they knew that I didn't really didn't for the first time in my life. I didn't know exactly what I, where I was going to go and what I wanted to do. Um, but they approached me about, you know, being a grad assistant, um, coming back and coaching because they really liked, you know, kind of the, the mentality that I brought on a daily basis. Um, they thought I would, and Coach Snyder in particular, I remember him telling me he thought I'd be a pretty good coach. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was fun to think about and I actually really thought about it for a while. Uh, but I was ready, you know, to get out on my own and kind of do my own thing. And that led me to uh, get an internship. Um, fortunately, by that time, you know, uh, KSE was in existence. Mm-hmm. Um, we, my dad purchased the teams in the building here in, in Denver in the spring of 2000. Yep. And so um, we called in, uh, you know, just to see if anything was possibly available. And I got a job as an intern. So I was never able to do an internship yeah. ever because of basketball and summer summertime practice obligations, and so I became an intern for the NBA league office in New York City. Oh wow! Um, which was a, an incredibly valuable experience because you one you get to see how the league operates, um, and you know it's a very it's a very corporate entity up there. I mean, there's a lot of obviously, you know, NBA nothing but attorneys. Um, yes. but, uh, they're all, they're, they're wonderful guys. You know, David Stern would kind of see me in the hallways and kind of, you know, give me a little, you know, good natured ribbing every now and then. And so, you know, as a 24 year old guy, um, who was, you know, old getting out of school, it was very, very eye opening experience from there. I got completely out of it. Um, not fully knowing what I wanted to, to do in long term. Yeah. I think, you know, being at the league office, it really made me realize that, how much fun that it could be to be on a team level. And obviously, you know, with the situation out here, um, it was in the back of my mind. And then I got out of sports altogether and worked uh, as a real estate underwriter for Lehman Brothers. Um, And so um, I was working on their commercial side for two years and then left there in the spring of 07 to move out here. And that was after sitting down and trying to – I knew I didn't want to stay in New York City. Um, and I missed being around sports a little bit. And I told one of my friends, I was like, you know, I just don't want to go out there and just kind of be the, you know, the sun or whatever. And I was like, you know, I feel like I'm just kind of, I want to say I'm cutting a corner, but like, I just don't like the feeling that it gives me. And he's like, and he looked at me and he's like, that's the dumbest answer I've ever heard. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, you're, he's like, you have the personality for it. Um, cause I, I had actually, I had taken one of my good friends who I worked in finance with yeah. to a nuggets game when they were passing through New York. And I was down there saying hi, I was interacting, and I think he could see me in a different light. And that was the gentleman that, that basically said, he was like, 
I don't know why he was, he was, he was, you're natural at this stuff. Yeah. And he goes, you know, you'll learn on the fly. He's like, but you know, your personality and is your way, your way with people is, is, is a natural. And so, you know, here I am, you know, let's see, that was 2007. So here we are, you know, 11, well, years, 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately I listened to him. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> and as you're kind of coming up with the nuggets or, or, or with this, you know, when you're kind of, I guess more at the player's age at that point. You're older now. Was it yeah. was it difficult yeah. going through that? And then have you? Yeah. What, have you what did you learn from that? Or well, I mean, as as a, you know, I got here in my I was 27 years old, um, and you know, Will Barton's age exactly, right? yeah. exactly. <laughs> and you know, being young and 20 you know, and, and you're in your 20s, I mean, even just on a regular, hey, it's Thursday night, I'm going to go grab a drink, and you know, you go out and you bump into one of the guys, and. You know, they, it's impossible for them at the, at the time when they're still getting to know me to only know me as, you know, the owner's son. Yeah. And so, you know, I was kind of, well, this maybe. And uh, we got a fire alarm going off. Uh-oh. That's probably not good. I don't even remember. No, all right. I don't remember what we were talking about. Um, we were talking about fire alarms. Fire alarms. Talking about... Uh, <laughs> For continuity's sake, I guess we don't. Yeah. Uh, but uh, continuity is uh, a good thing, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> it, is. it is a good thing. It is safe. I was asking about you know being a kind of being a peer to guys, and then yes. as, yeah. as you're yeah. growing. Yeah. Um, and you know that that was interesting because I first came in. My first season here was oh uh, seven oh eight. Um, you know, Kenyon Martin, J.R. Smith, Carmelo Anthony, Allen Iverson, um, Nene, Marcus Camby. Uh, who else was on that team? Who's the most um, interesting guy out of that bunch? <laughs> um, you know, they're all in their own ways. They were all really good guys, you know. And that that team had an interesting kind of kind of, I guess, rep around it, just simply because of you know who those guys were individually, but collectively, I mean, they were a, a force. And you know, I think it sh- they they showed themselves. I mean, we were you know just. By the skin of our teeth, we were almost in the NBA Finals that year, and I think we would have beat beat the uh, beat the team magic. that we've been playing. They've been Magic, yeah, Dwight yeah. Howard and the Magic. And, yeah. um, uh, so those guys, and they were they were all really, you know, and in, in, in certain ways, they obviously would you know puff their chests out. But you know, I really enjoyed that group of people, and um, you know, Kenyon. Um, I really enjoyed talking to Kenyon. Um, they didn't they didn't recruit me hard, but Cincinnati recruited me a little bit. Um, and I remember being a freshman in college and looking at Kenyon Martin and being like, I might have to play against him sometime. <laughs> and, uh, fortunately we didn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Kenyon, I really, I really enjoyed, um, I, I really enjoyed Mello. Um, I was going to tell Jeff, I was, that was right before I started getting a chance to cover the team was right when Kenyon left. And he was the one guy that I was, I was like, man, I always wish I would have gotten to, <laughs> gotten to know him just a little bit, you know, gotten to yeah. be able to talk to him. Yeah. Um, and you know another guy who I, I absolutely love, and I, I ran into him at the NBA All Star Game this past season, and he gave me the biggest hug. Uh, was Allen Iverson? Yeah, um, really good guy. Um, and that that group of guys, like I said, you know they, they were they were all very similar yet very different. But you know Allen was a you know a big teddy bear, and uh, I really enjoyed being around him and you know seeing you know who he was kind of fundamentally deep down. Um, you know obviously I think all those you know as we all do we all have our different demons, but. Um, you know, Alan was, was a guy that I really enjoyed being around and somebody who I can tell, um, you know, hopefully my grandkids one day that, you know, I was around uh, the legendary Alan Iverson. Yeah. 
Well, that's a, an interesting kind of how this, like, at that age, you were able to be around all these guys who, you know, as Nate was saying, it's, peer, it's a peer group, you know, because you're yeah. uh, all the same age, and how that kind of affects things. I mean, I can't imagine when I was, you know, uh, in my early 20s, uh, even before that, being around like Antonio McDice yeah. or any of those guys, because that that would have been amazing to me. Um, and do you th- did you have a hard time not being starstruck? Uh, you know, it was wasn't a starstruck thing for me. I had a hard time critiquing anybody because I was like, "Well, I can't do that. Why? Why? Why should I be? Why should I offer up my opinion on what I think they should do? I know I can't go out there and do that." And so yeah. that was kind of a hurdle for me um, mentally. But you know, once I got over that, I think. Uh, that came with time, a little bit of seasoning, uh, and being around you know some really great basketball minds. Being around a guy like George Carl, being around a guy like Tim Gergridge, um, and just kind of starting to believe in your believe in yourself and trust your own own judgment and opinions. Yeah. How have you? You've mentioned it there with with Carl and Gerg. Who have been some influences on your career, and as as you've come up, who are guys that you've been able to lean on or learn stuff from? I'm sure there's a ton of them, but. Yeah, there's, you know, it's, it's different people at different points in time. And, uh, you know, fortunately for us being in a, in a place where we have, uh, you know, multiple teams across multiple leagues, a lot of times that stuff comes from guys that are, you know, outside of outside of the specific sport in which I'm trying to apply whatever it is I'm trying to accomplish. Um, because whether it's, you know, you know, apples and oranges or, you know, watermelons and whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's all fruit to fruit in some way. And, um I think that, you know, the, the relative experience of, you know, coaches managing egos, managing people, um, the delicate psychology of a professional athlete, which is much more fragile than people, you know, tend to think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's having the benefit of being able to ask a lot of different questions. And to me, there's really like a, no dumb question. I think, you know, don't be afraid of what you don't know um, because no one knows everything. And, uh, you know, Tim, you mentioned, you mentioned Gerg. Uh, you know, I got to know Gerg. I was... I was out in California um, when I was 15 years old, um, and I would go to these. When I was trying trying to get serious about basketball and trying to get better at it, I would go to these these skill workouts. And you know, Gerg was kind of the pioneer of those type of group skill workouts in the summer times. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm going through this, and I start looking around at some of the faces, and I see like guys I see on TV in college. And then there's a couple of pros the next day, and then I realize who Gerg is. And you know, Gerg's seen it all. Um, you know. He was, you know, obviously he was at UNLV at one point in time. Um, and then coming up through the pro game, uh, you know, Gerg, George, uh, Mark Workentine, Rex Chapman, um, you know, Brett Barrett was part of our front office back then. He now runs our analytics department. Um, there's just been a lot of different guys whose, whose brains I've been able to pick. And, you know, I think back to, uh, you know, Masai and I, that, that fall with the, the Carmelo um, situation, we would go out, we talked to Mitch, Kup- Mitch Kupchak, you know, how did you handle situations with your star player, Kobe, Shaq? Um, you know, in the middle of, uh, you know, when we started the season struggling um, in 2014-15, uh, you know, I was in, I think we had a game in New York early that season. Um, you know, you know, say what you want about, you know, the way that, that he ran the organization, but I was able to pick Phil Jackson's mind a little bit. You yeah. know, I think that it's always important to, to listen to people, but be able to try and try and make it your own as well. I think, you know, if you're trying to be somebody else, it's never going to work, but trying to apply certain principles that, that obviously very successful people have over the years, uh, something I always try to do. And you hit the key part there of, you know, being yourself and mm-hmm. finding your own way. Do you feel comfortable now in your skin with – I mean, are you? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I mean, I think you never want to get too comfortable. I think if you uh, if you're too comfortable, you're not trying to make yourself better. 
Um, and I think, you know, I'm always trying to figure out a way to make myself better, make our teams better, um, and empower the people, uh, you know, to do their jobs and do their jobs well. Are you a guy that writes down your goals? Uh, you know, I kind of keep them in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. I, I, do, I, I do believe in the power of writing things down. Um, I don't do it near enough. You know, my mom and dad used to get on me when I was, when I was in school for not writing down my homework assignments, but I'd always kinda, <laughs> I always, I've always been a guy to kind of keep track of things. But I do make lists occasionally and make sure that I'm getting things, getting things done the way I want to. Yeah. Well, anything else, Jeff? No, I, 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 I was going to say, you know, he, you don't believe any you know, stupid questions until you came on to CSG today. And they're like, ugh, there there's are. a couple there. <laughs> Jeff, you took it easy on I, me. Buddy. I did, I did. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't Mr. Negativity. And I will soon be Mr. Continuity, too. So, uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I appreciate your guys, uh, your passion over the years. I know, you know, there have been ups and downs, but you guys have, uh, you know, hey, it's, it's never going to be perfect. No one's ever going to bat a thousand, but um, I do. I do believe in the guys we have now, and uh, I'm excited about the direction of the organization. Well, I remember uh, law, uh, Nate and I were sitting, waiting to getting into practice, uh, probably about five years ago or something like that. And uh, you came out, and uh, you you saw both of us. And said, mm-hmm. "Hi, Jeff. Hi, Nate." And you went into the elevator, and I'm like, I, I looked at Nate and I said, "How many owners or?" presidents governors remember the names of two idiot bloggers <laughs> on, on that, that that he met a long time ago i I'm like that's that's pretty rare and i said i've got to give it to josh there that you know at least he at least remembers our names you know remembers us yeah. and i've always that's something that that's something for some reason has always stuck with me no, I can sit around and talk basketball with, with you guys all day. So that's good. And not only that, but, I mean, Jeff, you showed Josh the picture of when yourself and Masai Ujiri came mm-hmm. to a, a Stiffs night out when Jeff, myself, yeah. and Andrew Feinstein were running Denver Stiffs. And that meant so much to our fans at the time. And, you know, just to have, you know, you guys show up and make an mm-hmm. appearance was, was a, a That was actually thing. huge. No, it's, it's fun. I mean, you know, I think, you know, to understand everybody's perspective, and obviously, you know, we live in the moment. Um, and, you know, and I, I remind I remind our guys all the time. I'm like, you know, I don't care about this. I'm like, we're only as good as our last game. I know that we feel that we're, you know, making progress on certain certain areas. And I know that we know that we are. But, you know, we're only as good as our last game publicly. And, you know, the currency of pro sports is wins and losses. And so eventually we got to keep building this thing to a place where those wins are way outnumbering the losses. And, uh, you know, that sometimes that t- winning at the – sounds like a cliche again, but, you know, winning at the highest level is a process. Yeah. And, you know, I think – you know, in relation to what, you know, we're going through with, with our basketball team, our hockey team, but, you know, within the last 24 hours, our NFL team, the Rams, um, a lot of those guys, it was their first time tasting success and their first time play, being in an NFL playoff game. Yeah. And sometimes the only way that you're really going to learn is to go through it. And you've got to have some adversity and you've got to learn from that adversity and come back stronger. And uh, personally, I've tried to do that. And uh, I think hopefully that translates to our teams a little bit as well. So who's going to win a championship first, the Rams or the Nuggets? Wow. <laughs> Man, that's a tough one. Uh, well, considering the Rams were in the playoffs last night, um, I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that question. <laughs> um, I mean, think, fortunes, fortunes can change in a, in a matter of days. But uh, right. I like the path we're on with both teams. I'll, I'll, I'll say that much. We've got, we got a good young bunch on, on both sides and also on our, on our hockey side as well. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about the future. Um, you know, laying the foundation, I think, is kind of the hardest and messiest part of these whole, these whole kind of, I guess, ebbs and flows of uh, success around pro sports. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a fun business to be in. You meet a lot of interesting people. And uh, it's, a, it's an interesting perspective. I'll, I'll tell you that much. 
Well, thank you, Josh. We really appreciate you coming in with us. Yeah, we appreciate the time, and hopefully we'll have you on again at some point. Definitely. Without a doubt. A little more success for the team, maybe down the road. Yes. We'll get out of here. (laughs) A playoff podcast. See you guys next week. Mm